Ben Zimmer, thanks for coming on. Zach, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me, man. So should we talk about the origin story about how we met? I think that's appropriate, don't you? Yeah. So um, I ran track in high school. I show up freshman year, and this gentleman pulls up in a pretty nice car, younger gentleman, and um, find out you're the new distance coach. And I didn't like you when I first met you, actually. I could see that. Yeah, yeah. I also was a cocky SOB. <laughs> you, so. were, uh, you were a good athlete, had a lot of talent, and a um, couple opinions. I mean, you were younger, so that's good. Oh, yeah, that's I, had good. A, I had a mouth on me when I was younger, <laughs> for sure. But you were a good coach. Honestly, that was really fun. If I didn't love golf, playing golf so much, I would have continued doing track. But you only coached one season, right, with Morgan? Yeah, I coached a cross-country season and then a track season, and that was it. And then uh, fell in love with my wife and committed to uh, working and, and um, got married, I think, the following year. That was like 2004, 5, 6, maybe. Okay, so so when you started coaching, was that right after college? So I graduated in 2003, so, so no, it would have been, been two years after. Two years after, yeah, because yeah. I was a freshman, so yeah, that would have been. Yeah, that would have been 2005 yeah. Yeah, when that happened. So did you, you know, why don't you talk, why don't you do a little intro about what your business is, like kind of what you specialize in, and then we'll talk about how your origin story, how that got Sure, going. sure. So uh, at Ethos Insurance and Risk Management, we, we help community leaders and business owners. Um, we protect and connect community le- leaders and business owners. That's our job, you know. So ultimately it's, of course, there's the insurance and risk management piece, but also uh, in this community that we live in, uh, what we try to do is advocate for new relationships and really go out there and say, hey, you know, Zach, there's someone that could really uh, benefit from talking to you and, and make those connections. Because ultimately, um, at some point, insurance becomes a commodity. I'm not going to say it isn't, but I'm going to say that, you know, I think what our discovery, and uh, we do it a little bit different uh, in the sense that I feel like at Ethos, it's more about Let's focus on relationship first and see if we're a great fit for each other. Yeah. We like working together and then we'll focus on what your needs are. But um, I think we kind of connect more than we protect sometimes. And that's, that's how I feel like we've been able to grow our business uh, organically. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. So why don't you like kind of walk me through, you graduate high school, you go to college. What was your focus in college? You know, did you, uh, is there like an insurance major in there college? There is at a lot of, uh, you know, Indiana, um, Indiana State, Butler, Ball State, they all have like insurance degrees. And, yeah. You know, it's funny because I, I went to college and my goal was to stay as busy as possible. So I ran cross country and track. I took 18 credit hours. I bartended. I moved furniture. I did all these different jobs. And it was like, from when I woke up at 6.30 or 6 o'clock in the morning to when I went to bed, I wanted to be busy. Yeah. Like I just... For some reason, I just I was always antsy, almost like I need to do something, right? So, um, I think part of that was because when I graduated co- high school, I was planning to go like to Indiana University, but decided to go to St. Joe and Rensselaer. So it's kind of had a little bit of chip on my shoulder because I stayed in town. Yeah, and I'm like, if I'm going to be here, I'm going to meet as many cool people as possible, make the most out of Rensselaer where I grew up, yeah. and ultimately, you know, um, just keep active, stay active, you know? So, um, after graduating college, uh, I was actually bartending at this little country club in Rensselaer, Curtis Creek, if you remember. And someone asked me about what I thought about insurance. And I said, I didn't. So my focus in college was marketing management. I knew I'd do some sort of business because I thought I was entrepreneurial. Um, but really had no, uh, plan other than work with people, be around people, not me sitting in an office. I had to see people. I had to get out. So yeah, you're definitely extroverted. Now your mom works at St. Yeah, Joe, my right? Yeah, my mother's a well. She was a um, professor for thirty 
plus years retired. And then St. Joe obviously went down in 2017. She retired in 2015. Yeah. So uh, thankfully, you know, was protected around all that. But um, yeah, so, you know, she's a teacher. My dad was a teacher and my coach in high school. So he coached me in track and cross country. So I knew I wanted to do something where I was kind of educating people. And that's why I chose the field I did because it's, unless you do it all the time, you don't remember everything. So I get a chance to go out there, be a teacher, a coach, and an entrepreneur all in one. And that's that's why I kind of chose the path. So you're bartending. Someone talks to you about insurance. What's the next step for you after that? Like, So I was kind of like, yeah, great insurance. Let me talk to the next person. He said, no, you know what? I'd like for you to come up and meet some people that work in Valparaiso. And so I'm like, all right, I'll go up there. And so I met some people and they were kind of good old boys and, and, uh, but real easy to talk to. And we're like, you got, I'm telling you, this is a tremendous opportunity. I'm like, okay. So went through the licensing process, did all that stuff. And, and it was like, okay, this is more than just, uh, like I said, the commodity side of it. This is actually a relationship business that you can go out and spend an hour or an hour and a half with a farmer or a business owner and get to know them. And then like you eventually forge this friendship and it's like i have a lot of friends insurance sometimes gets in the way of that <laughs> because of just the the technical technical things uh parts of it but i i wanted to meet as many neat people as possible yeah. and and it, this career has allowed me to do that so yeah so you go um you know i do know a little bit of your story you obviously don't start your own thing right away you go and you know cut your teeth um you worked for State Farm. Was that your first uh, place? I worked you with worked? Uh, Farm Bureau Insurance. Farm Bureau, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I worked there about ten years. Um, really, I, I, I'll tell you, and we'll get into this, but I think the advantage that I had was because I did college athletics, and I was required to get up super early, even in college. Yeah. I've never stopped that. You know, to this day, I get up at four thirty in the morning, and, and getting up early and being prepared when you go, and and being ready to yeah. put your best foot forward immediately. Uh, was a huge advantage because some people were coming to the office at nine or eight thirty or whatever, and I'm like, I can get there at seven, do all this paperwork everyone's inundated with, yeah. you know, usually, and I can get out and do the things I want to do to be successful after, you know, by eight thirty or nine in the morning. So I felt like that was the one advantage I had then, and now that if I can teach anything to my three sons, it's like get get up, get ready, get prepared, yeah. and you'll be amazed at your results because. You know, I can work a 10-hour day and be done at 4 o'clock and still see all the track events and all the things that my kids are doing and, and be there. Um, so, yeah, I'm just like, so grew, I grew up in a home where I had to wake up early yeah. every day, like 5.30, yeah. 6 every day. Didn't get, I didn't get to sleep in on the weekends. Yeah. And then, obviously, I was in the military for 12 years, and I hate waking up early. <laughs> but this is the thing is I have noticed when I when I actually commit to waking up early, Five thirty, six, and and what's hard is in, in industry I work full time in, no one starts work until eight eight thirty. Right. So it's like kind of like I can do a lot of that work beforehand, but um, I do it, it is true. If I wake up at five thirty six, I like exercise or do something more. I feel so much better, and and I've I moved my time back, you know, as my career cause when I was in retail, like my stores didn't open until ten, so it was right. like okay, I would start a little bit later because I had to work later, but. Now I am like slowly coming back down to where I'm like waking up early. But I agree. Yeah, it is nice just to be done. But when you're a business owner, you still get the emails after anyway. You know, I, I can say that I could be done at four, but I'm not. But at the same time, um, I feel like the 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 hard project grind work can be done um, a lot easier when you have more daylight or more time in that day. Yeah. 
um, rather than taking it to bed with you or whatever, I'm able to kind of, uh, the things I can control can be done yeah. earlier. And that's really what I feel like. Well, you kind of said like, I think one of the positive parts about waking up early in the morning is you're by yourself. Right. I it's feel like, like that's the only time people aren't bugging you. Exactly. Because even from four to six, four to seven, I'm still getting emails. Right. But no one's emailing me at 5.30 or 6 in the morning. Yep. So it's like kind of like the clearest point. It's like an advantage, I think. It's yeah. like this weird yeah. thing where it's like, oh, I got an edge on the day uh, because I do that. And I get that alone time that I crave too because if you're talking to people all day long or yeah. solving problems all day long, you, you know, as humans, we need that time to reflect and be, you know, um, kind of gives me my moments to be thankful, be, you know, and, and then – really set a plan out as opposed yeah. to being reactive when I go um, start my day. So, so you, you work with farm bureau for 10 years, you know, what, what was the good stuff that you learned from obviously a corporate, a massive insurance corporation. And then what, what led you to leave and then eventually start your own thing? Mm -hmm. I think the great thing about it was um, I had mentors at different levels that were kind of built in and, uh, whether they knew they were mentoring me or not, they were, and it was yeah. wonderful to get these different perspectives on, uh, from people that were, I consider successful for different reasons. Um, I think that that was the greatest part about it. The, the, the downfall is like, I kind of got to a point in my life where I was like, well, I'm never going to own, I, I had this yeah. entrepreneurial bug, just like, come on, like, like I want to, I want to own something. I want to kind of create, right? Yeah. I always tell my staff, like, I'm not about change management. I love creation management. Mm -hmm. I love to say, okay, what's your DNA? Let's put you somewhere where there's, where it's aligned with your DNA. And, and I was kind of at a roadblock there and I thought, okay, well, if I, if I can go and work for what we call an independent, which is essentially a privately owned company, a small business that utilizes different insurance companies to be able to, you know, for the needs of that for certain clients, then I could be a little more entrepreneurial and, and start to really be, be more of an expert in what I'm doing too. Yeah. You're like a problem solver, right? right. You know, you go to somebody who owns a farm, you're like, Hey, I know that this um, underwriter, mm -hmm. you know, this big distributor underwriter, like really focuses and understands this, right? Right. You know, it's not like going to, per well, I, does progressive underwrite all their own stuff? Yeah, they'll do that. They have okay. guidelines. Yeah. So you know what fits in their guidelines. And of course, you know, th that's the right fit for somebody. But I wanted to be able to find the right fit for the people, the kind of people yeah. I wanted to work with, right? And those are, they do different things. So I think the biggest reason why I decided to transition was there was a couple things that Farm Bureau did really well and they still do. But I wanted to do some, there's some relationships I wanted to make yeah. that I couldn't help in that situation. Yeah. It's really interesting you, you said that though, because I think with like personal finance, um, and, you know, insurance and kind of that world where there's like your initial three, four, five years heavy hunting, meaning if you don't know what hunting sales is like, you know, it's your first time, like you're working with somebody, but then it's farming after that. It's just, you're cultivating that relationship. And when you're in an environment where it's heavy that way, and it's in something where you can broker, it seems like it does make sense for you to own your own thing because the second you leave that company, like Farm Bureau, you get zero dollars. You've done right. all of that work for somebody else. Yep. Whenever you decide to lead, and and that does make sense. Was like was that part of your motivation to do your own thing too? Yeah, I think I think that uh, it was a wonderful place for me. I still am friends with many of the people that work there, and I think it's a great spot for a lot of people. Um, but again, back to my DNA was. I'm, I'm, I'm curious, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious to get better. I'm curious to kind of want something different. 
Um, and I'm still in that evolution where it's now it's about hiring and bringing on new people with different DNAs that could find, you know, that are, are in the specialties. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's, it wasn't that they couldn't, you know, help me, but I think that I saw a better opportunity to really get, um, curious and, and, and forward my education and what I'm doing yeah. and my expertise. So that was the kind of the main the main reason. And then, so I was, went, I went to another independent, I went to an independent, um, but I kind of, uh, before I started that, I said, listen, my plan is eventually to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Fortunately, that independent was like, Hey, we're not gonna, we can't, you can't fight who you are. Right. So they actually agreed with me on a deal where I could purchase my book of business when the timing was right. Yeah. So I was able to work towards something that eventually I was going to own, had the support of a great staff and great people knowing that eventually that day would come. And so that moment when I did that, it was scary. Number one, I took a 75% pay cut. Yeah. My wife had just, we had our third child. She stopped working at her job with great insurance and good income. And, and so we made that first big leap of faith. And, um, for six months, you're not sleeping. You're worried. This is going to not work out. It's so scary. Then started to hit my stride. Uh, fast forward, um, you know, about four and a half years later. And I said, you know what? I think I'm ready to do this. I think I'm ready to go on my own. Okay. Well, how do we get there? Well, in order to get there, I had to sell my house. So I moved my family from this beautiful 3000 square foot house that I had saved up for and had a nice house, sold my house, sold my car, moved my family to the apartment complex. I lived in when I was 23 yep. years old, when I first moved to Valpo, but I knew it was part of the, 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 the future that I was wanting. And I yeah. knew that if I did that and I sacrificed and I, I put money towards myself and towards uh, this business that it will work. But again, another real scary moment, 38 years old being like, I got a great thing going here. Uh, I'm going to go roll the dice on myself again. Um, but I had a vision about uh, a different, a different culture. And, you know, speaking about leadership, um, that's really what I, I think is important that we talk about today. And that was, uh, a different level of trust with him, with staff members. And, you know, I work alongside these people. I, they don't work for me. We work together because they have traits that I don't have and I have traits that they don't have. So it's a complimentary relationship. And, you know, it starts with that. And I'm going to, you know, take this from one of our great consultants, you know, it's that art, that appreciation, respect, and trust stays at the forefront of everything we do. And um, everyone in our organization now knows that they've got something that I don't have for sure. And we just, for lack of better words, try to say, let's stay on that as much as possible. So, yeah. So I, I want to go back to, I didn't, uh, I didn't know that you had to like sell everything. <laughs> oh, 25% of my retirement was gone too. I did yeah. cash in 25% yeah. of my retirement. So ta- walk me through, I mean, number one, your wife must be a rock star. It's, you have no idea. Well, yes, you do. Cause you're, yeah, I've met her. Yeah. 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 Um, can you walk through kind of some of the emotions behind that? Like those conversations and then ultimately like, yeah, what did that look like? Cause so for me, when I started my business, I started my business with nothing. Okay. You know, I started when I was still in college, mm-hmm. I was still in the military and, um, really the worst thing that could happen to me is I would owe $20,000, you know, something like that. That's sure. like how I started. Right. Um, I think so many people in that age range, 30 to 45, who've always wanted to own a business and they see 
that risk stacked against them, they run the opposite way. Absolutely. So yeah, what yeah, what was that like? What were those conversations? Um, yeah, what were the emotions <laughs> behind that? Oh my gosh, it was. Uh, I, I couldn't even put myself in that mindset because it was only about five years ago. And I I I asked my wife Devin. I said, Hey, listen, um, I think I'm ready. And she said, Ah. Uh, well, you did this five years ago, right? Are you going to do this again? And I said, I'm going to do it on a bigger scale. I'm going to really roll the dice. Yeah. Um, this time we're going to put it all, lay all the chips out there. And, and she said, okay, well, um, everything you seem to do, it works out. And I said, she goes, I think it's cause you're a, you know, a pretty good person and you do the right thing. And I said, I think it's just cause I'm crazy enough to actually yeah. go forward and not stop until it happens. Yeah. And, um, you know, from a, from <laughs> what did it look like? well, let's try to find money to do, to make this happen. And, and we started going through everything and be like, we love this, but we could live without it if we have to. Yeah. We love this. Like you really assess your needs and wants at that point, right? What's yeah. a need and what's a want. And then how do those relate to what the future could look like? Um, it, it, you know, scary is an understatement, right? It, it, yeah. really, it really is. And when you're walking into the apartment, then you sell your house, you're walking to this apartment and you're like, man, this is tough. This is really, uh, but it's like that motivation. Like it's that next challenge. Like, and I see it happening again. I'm going to double down again. I'm going to bring on more people that, you know, I know the numbers work that we will be able to afford them yeah. with the, with the growth we're seeing right now. But every time you make a hire, what do you do? You bring down the amount of yeah. uh, income you're bringing home to your family for the greater cause. And I'm going to continue to do that because I feel like, um, our, our foundation is strong enough that there's just no way we're going to fail. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you were like talking earlier about like leadership and stuff, but it's like, you know, my dad owning a small business. I saw like, man, you have two, three people, like you are the driving force of that business. Mm -hmm. um, you can be a great leader, but that business ceases to generate without you being there and you have to have good employees. Mm -hmm. Otherwise your business will control you. Like, yeah. That's fully it. And like, the emotions you're talking about, like I have been there, <laughs> uh, you know, and those decisions to like take leaps of faith. And you kind of said something too, there is like, honestly, if someone asked me like, what attributes do you look at? If, someone, if someone's going to be successful, like I would say 80 to 90% of that is like someone who just doesn't quit. Mm -hmm. You know, you can have people who are super intelligent and you'll look at something and they're like, well, this will, this will never work. First hiccup they hit. But there is a point where, like, I believe it will work, and I'm going to push through even if it doesn't look like it's going to work for, the per for like, a period of time. Because there's always going to be down. There's going to be downs where you thought something was going to work out. You lose a client or something like that. And mm -hmm. I, I just think that's, like, so true. So fast forward, um, you're, you are where you are now. What uh, – talk about where you are now, size, and then, you know, what you're kind of – So when we started uh, the agency, you know – uh, the first year, for instance, you know, we make that big chunk, that big payment. And, and um, the first year, so I'm buying my clients, I'm buying these clients. And in the first year, one of our clients, uh, well, it's a third of our revenue. <laughs> they decide that, well, the carrier that we're using, the, the insurance company that represents them is like, you know what, we're done with this. I'm like, what do you mean you're done with this? Like, we no longer want to write that kind of uh, business. I'm like, well, come on. And they're like, no. So I lose a third of my revenue the first year we start off. Oh my God. Um, so that was, needless to say, motivating uh, to, um, you know, work a little harder. So 
Um, so that happens. We start to realize that like, okay, if we really want to build this out, there has to be more people involved generating revenue, also supporting our existing clients because we want to be different in a, in a good way. We yeah. want to really distinguish ourselves with our service that people can expect, our conversations, our, you know, our connections. And that takes time and that takes people. So we started looking for other people. And uh, what was really unique about our, our business is like a lot of times you see with what we do insurance, you'll see like a big sign in a nice building. I said, well, we can create a business that's fully remote, right? And this is yeah. January, 2018. And I'm like, we can figure out the phone systems. We can figure out how we can operate. Uh, so long as the people are right, the people are great at what they do, they can work from their homes. So we started doing that. And I had a, a remote office in Greensburg, Indiana that we still have down there. Um, Stacy was working from home, my partner. I was working from the office. And it was a real small little office. And I said, let's just keep building on that. So we kept hiring people yeah. that weren't with us. Uh, and then keeping that connection with people. Like, they want to be part of a team. So how do you continue to make them feel like they're part of a team when they're, Kim's in Arizona, you know? Yeah. So the fact of the matter is, it's, 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 these check-ins are more than just what's going on in business. It's 10 minutes of us saying, how can we connect? What are we doing to make sure we are okay? Because remote is great. But inevitably, these are people that are that need other people that yeah. need to have real conversations because it gets really lonely at home when you're there every day. Yeah. So what I've made apart was I'm saying, okay, we have scheduled 30 minute sessions every week with one with each person so that we can connect with them. Obviously, talk about business, uh, work through some challenges, and let people know we're there for them. Right. So fast forward two years later, we're up to four people. Fast forward now, we have nine employees. Uh, from two of us, uh, from a volume standpoint, we are four times, we've grown four times, uh, in wow. less than five, in five years. So from a volume standpoint, yeah, we're, uh, and we've continued with the same percentage, but, uh, that 28 to 32% throughout the whole process, because we've made, been thoughtful yeah. about our hires and thoughtful about our growth. And, um, it's exciting, man. And it, it's, it's continuing with some more conversations. We'll hire a person or two this year. But we vet for like a year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's so important because, you know, I call it ethos because it's our culture that defines us. And it's our spirit of yeah. our company that we're more than just a, the coworkers. We are people that are on, I mean, on islands, but yet we're still connecting yeah. weekly, daily. Well, 2018, that's pretty early to do remote off. I mean, really, that was made popular by COVID. Right. You know, but being two years ahead, that probably positioned you well oh, when COVID hit. COVID, because... COVID was our best year. We grew 22% in COVID because yeah. we went out and told the story. I wasn't afraid to tell the story. We designed it this way. Well, and I was frank, I was very honest with client with what we call future ideal clients. And I said, we didn't have the capital <laughs> to buy a building when we started. We didn't we barely had enough capital to buy our book of business. So we made it work and now we're making it work really well. And yeah. by that, so by 2020, people were like, sweet. So your staff is you know, full, full, you know, they can take care of us. Absolutely. We can take care of you. So it was an easy story to tell and to build upon. Um, I, I still think it's our, it's our greatest strength is, is our, you know, to be nimble enough to say, if somebody's sick, they'll be like, okay, I'm sick. I'll do a few things, but I'm already at home. Yeah. Or, okay, no problem. We'll pick up the slack, whatever. But it, it, it forces communication on a different level. 
Yeah, and I think that's the perspective that's different, right? You didn't have the money to be able to buy a building or be able to pay rent, so you're just like, well, there's another option. It's right. like so many people would see that and just be like, well, I don't have enough money to do it now, and they just wait. Right. Right. Um, so, and also people are like, well, I don't have the big building. No one's going to take me seriously. I would say a majority of people that you want to sell to who are making decisions based on merit, they don't care about the fancy building. They don't care about all this overhead. When I see that, I'm just like, I'm just seeing money wasted that could be passed on to me or passed on to your staff. Right. I remember when I was in Muncie and there was a CPA firm in Indianapolis, um, a friend of mine worked there and he had come and met with me and uh, you can drive by, you see their huge building and they have, you know, uh, you know, aquariums and stuff and whatever. And uh, I'm like, what do you guys bill an hour? And they're like, oh, it's like 300. I'm like, okay, it's a lot, but. Sure, CPA firm, whatever. I go, how much do you make an hour? Right. And he said 50. And I'm like, wow. uh, okay. So I'm like, okay, so they're, you're, they're 6Xing you? You know, they're, they're, are they offering you $250 more? of? But no, it's a facade that they put up to be able to sell to these people. I, I think it's overrated. In yeah. My opinion. yeah. Well, and I think the story, when you tell people you sold your house, sold your car, all those people at any level, whether it be a, $1 million company or a $100 million company, they love that grit. Okay. They love that story. And, and it's, it is our story. And I'm, I'm so proud of it because, you know, anybody, if I gave you a company and said, okay, you're the second generation, you can run, run this company. It's like, you didn't do it though. Yeah. You, you're, you're trying to maintain it or even grow it. But when you were on the ground floor and making these sacrifices, yeah. the, 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 the sentimental value in refusing to fail, like the, it's, it's just failure is not an option. And I was talking to my son who's actually running now uh, this morning about this. And I said, there's people that, you know, uh, hate to lose. And there's people that um, or hate to lose and love to win. I said, I legitimately fear losing. Yeah. It's not even like an option. And it's like, what are we going to do? Because it, you know, I'm not going to let that happen. Yeah. It's the, the saying like burn the ships. Like you can't go back. Right. It's like forward or nothing. Yeah. You know. And 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 you gotta love that 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 uh, that motivator of of uh, we're, we can't we can't lose. Yeah. We are going to keep making this happen. So. Yeah. So I think one thing that's cool about your story and something I can relate to is uh, your wife uh, comes out of the HR world and mm-hmm. then you bring her on board and she works with you. Talk a little bit about how that is um, because you obviously live together. Yeah. You are um, parents together and everything else. How has that been for you and your relationship? And then is there anything that you guys have like put in place to make sure that it isn't always just work all the time? Yeah, that's a, that's a phenomenal question. Uh, so what we, I realized, I mean, we knew when we got married that we were pretty different. Like I'm an extrovert. She's an introvert. I'm big picture. She's details. And then as we've gone along and we've been married 15 years now, like the last three years have been the most fun I've ever had with her because we are very traditional in the sense that she's like, these are my tasks. Those are your tasks. But ultimately it's like the complementing of each other. So now my business is built around, she does HR consulting for us. So it's these 10 to 30 employee businesses are, um, you know, they, they're not large enough where they have a full-time HR person, but inevitably that employees, employee relations, hiring, firing, all these are the biggest problem they have. Yeah. I mean, we know this right now with the labor shortage, what's oh, going yeah. on. So when she can come in, I'll say, listen, before we talk about insurance, I could save you probably 
$20,000 and a lot of headaches. My wife is the star of this show. Yeah. <laughs> and it was an ancillary benefit to our, to our company to have her there. But ultimately, most of my relationships professionally that we bring on clients are because I offer that. Now, whether or not yeah. they provide her with the information she needs to help them, that's a whole other story. Because sometimes yeah. people are like, I want HR, yeah. And they'll be like, well, I don't really have time for that. But it brings it in. And we, 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 we generate revenue because of that offering. Because insurance... Uh, to some point is, well, we find, you know, we find these gaps and we find holes and we, 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 you know, we plug those holes and we make it right. But when she can bring that to the table at no cost to our clients, it's a differentiator. Yeah. And then also on the other side of it, when there are situations and they call her and say like, I don't really know how to, and this is the situation. And she can quickly say page two, section two B, here's what this means. Here's what this says. There's your answer. And they're like, yeah. thank you. You know, it's like, she is the most modest person as it relates to being our secret to success. But when you, when you say, how do we separate business from our personal life? We laugh about how different we are every day. And, uh, and it's as long as you can do that and kind of make fun of the fact that like from the outside person, it wouldn't work because we're so different. Yeah. But when you truly identify that that is what makes you great and that's your role and that's my role, Man, it's powerful. It's yeah. a powerful relationship. And we can turn that switch in a heartbeat and just laugh and almost make fun of each other. But she's like, yeah, you're probably dreaming of something else right now while I'm organizing everything behind the scenes. I'm like, you're right. It's, that's yeah. totally true. So um, it's, it's, it's truly about understanding, complementing people and having roles is critical to success. Because if we were the same, I don't know what going on right now no that's like a super good point i think there is an element of respect um so my wife does our marketing and she's done all of our marketing for all of our companies so i am similar more extroverted big picture relationships um good at connecting people and getting people i say like the one thing i'm good at, i'm getting i'm good at getting people walking in the same direction yeah you know and um and my wife more introverted detail oriented. She's like an unbelievable writer. I'm a terrible writer. And there's this set of like, you need each other in like a real like sense. You might not get in a normal like marriage, but it's like when you work together, you're like, I need you because you do these things I can't do. Um, there is like a, a sense of like deep respect. And I think the thing that was good too, is my wife knows what I'm going through. Yeah. I think, you know, we work 50 hours a week, yeah. you know, on average. It's like, that's a lot of your life that if your spouse doesn't get to see kind of behind the curtains a little bit, and it, it just really does. I think it's deep in the amount of respect that we have for each other working together. Mm-hmm. And I think the yay us, oh, poor us, those moments are shorter, but they're also uh, opportunities to connect, Yeah, you know, on that level of this is truly my partner that, I am so, you know, blessed to be a, in this relationship with because of the the complimenting and and uh, it's a it's hilarious because of how different you you are and it sounds like you with the same thing yeah um, that it, I wouldn't want to do it with anybody else because the ride is so fun with her you know so yeah it is fun because the victories also feel like both oh, ours too it's both of ours yeah every every victory is is ours it's not mine or hers or anything and it's uh. She doesn't celebrate as much as I do. I get so fired up. She's like, yeah. yeah, that's what, that was the outcome I expected. I'm like, are you serious? This just happens. This is so great. You know, and it's, it's, it's just, I don't know. Yeah. I, I equate 
owning a business to like playing golf, it's like the highest highs and it's the oh. lowest lows. Oh, yeah. And it's just like talking about number one, pitfalls either in choosing their insurance person representative, maybe an area where people over insure, where mm-hmm. they're like oversold something, or an area where a lot of people are under uh-huh. like set up. Yeah. You know, so the overinsured piece, I'm going to touch on that really quick. There are situations where, you know, uh, and a lot of that time it's because people haven't done like reviews or checkups or I call them stewardship meetings where it's like, hey, let's have a discussion about what's changed and what's going on. Yeah. Because if you had 30 employees last year and now you're like, we've got five, right? Yeah. There's a lot of things to consider, meaning like you're overpaying for the workers' compensation. You may or may not have the same general liability exposures. You know, there's a lot of things that you could you can get um, – essentially be overpaying for, overinsuring for. Yeah. So I, I think that under and overinsuring relate directly to the conversation they have with their advisor. Meaning, advisor, you better come out here, not just at renewals, yeah. but have discussions midterms, say, you know, what what's going to happen in the next three months? Are there interesting projects? And I was meeting with a, a client today, and they said, you know, hey, we're doing this crazy project we've never done before. And I said, okay, well, let me see the contract. Well, the contract's like you have to have a $20 million liability umbrella yeah. and it's in Chicago and you have to name all these people or whatever. And it's like, okay, what do you think the opportunity here really is? And they're like, well, we're one of 10 people bidding on this. I'm like, do you think you're going to get it? And they're like, well, it'd be, it'd be a stretch. I'm like, so I don't know if we should go down this road because yeah. the cost associated with this is probably going to add $20,000 to your, <laughs> your premium costs. Yeah. And what's the, you know, at that point, what's your margin? Ooh, okay. So- when they're looking for an advisor, it's someone that's going to be number one, tell you the, tell you the truth and ask you the right questions about what you're doing now, what you're, what's different than last year, what's, and what's happening in the future. So yeah. communication is everything. The other, the other point about that is right now we're in a really unique time because if you remember in 2022, the cost of materials and labor caught up from the, uh, the vacuum of that COVID created with yeah. supply chain. Right. So we're still now, Lumber's gone down some, but labor costs. I mean, we're still Crazy. in this struggle for finding good quality labor and 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 in construction, especially. So, if I had to say, there's one glaring thing about anybody who hasn't looked at their insurance in the last ten to twelve months is uh, do new cost estimators on your building because you could be underinsured thirty, forty yeah. percent depending upon the structure. So, I went into one yesterday where it's like. Your insurance is $1 million. Well, to replace that building is $1.8 million. Yeah. So can you build a building for, would you be okay with three quarters of the insurance or whatever? You know, so I think that that's something if I'm out there and I own a business and you own a building or you have property on premises, talk about that first, because that could be something where tornado fire, whatever happens could be a really bad day. So if I'm out there, if I'm a business owner, that's the first thing I look at. Number two is um, if I if I go down, do I have business income? Meaning like, is there are they gonna con- are they gonna pay your bills for you? Because you still have a mortgage, you still have ARs, you still have all this stuff, and you have fixed expenses. So if you have a loss at this at a building, um, make sure you have that business income coverage because that's important to make sure you can start running again. And those fixed costs are taken care of. So yeah, and I think I think an exact example is when I had sold the first company I ever started. I came to you. I'm like, hey, now that this is sold, do I still need to have an insurance policy? You're like, no. Like you right. don't have any assets. You don't have any liabilities. Right. Everything else is owned by different entities. Where's the exposure? You know, that's what I say. Where's the exposure? Yeah. And having an advisor that's going to be direct about let's let's just 
write this out. Where's the tax exposure? Well, it doesn't exist. So don't buy insurance <laughs> if yeah. it doesn't exist, right? I, I, I think that that's, um, and sometimes people continue to pay for insurance they don't need out of fear because yeah. they're like, well, but then in actuality, the insurance company's going to say, well, there's no exposure. You're just paying for premium, something you don't need. And they're not yeah. going to be so quick to give you your money back either. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, a good point you talked about communication wise is I, I had a really nice guy, the guy who insured me. And I, I stuck with him because he was the only insurance company that would underwrite me when I was in Muncie. Mm -hmm. And because uh, cell phone repair was like a new thing. Yeah. And they're like, we don't know about people's information and all that stuff, yeah. like liability. And um, I, was, <laughs> I was with him for um, 11 years and I had zero claims. Yeah. Um, and uh, we had a great relationship. We talked like once every well, three better. years. <laughs> once every three years. Um, one thing... I was a little frustrated about those. Um, I was part of the like business group and someone's like, Hey, let me just quote you your insurance. And this guy came in like, I don't know, hundred bucks less a month or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then I said, Hey, you know what? Well, you know, I'm going to be moving. And then the guy's like, Oh, you know, I'll, I'll come down $110 a month. I'm like, so I've just been overpaying insurance. Do you do anything with what you're doing? Like, do you do like an annual biannual review to make sure that their insurance is at the right rates? Because that just struck me. That was one thing that did leave a bitter taste in my mouth. Is sure. like, you never want to have that happen. Right. Right. Absolutely. So I think what's important is to understand there's there's risk with staying with the same insurance carrier, and there's risk with changing insurance carriers. So what I like to do when I'm helping a, a new or an existing client out, I say, okay. Here's what our plan is. Our plan is to stick it out. I've marketed this to the 30 carriers I have direct contracts with. Yeah. Okay. If they don't do anything crazy, like you're going to see a three or 4% rate increase every year now. Number one, your building just went up yep. 10%. Number two, your sales are increased. You got more cars, whatever. So as an advisor, you have to watch those things. And that's why those stewardship reviews are so important. Yeah. Now, if we see a 20% rate increase, well, I better be looking for another carrier for you because that's my job. That's yeah. what you pay me to do. So I do think that certain small agencies or even direct writers, like, you know, um, the ones you see con the, uh, advertisements for on TV, yeah, uh, those people have what they have and they can't really do anything about it. Yeah, Brokers or independent agents like myself have the ability to say, let's go look at this again. Let's send this out and see if some other carriers have a, are able to yeah. offer us more preferable pricing. Now, I, I'm not a proponent of, um, if I did, if I did, you know, four or five hours of asking different carriers, who's the best option for you. And we find that fit and realize, okay, for the moment, this is the best option out there. Right. Yeah. If in one year I won't go out unless they do something crazy, I won't go out and market that because then now you're exposed because what happens is if you have a claim in that second year that you're my client, yeah. Now the carrier that had you before that was pretty fair to you, but not the best price doesn't want you because you had a claim you moved. Yeah. Now the new guy's like, well, I just paid a hundred grand. You gave me three grand and now he doesn't want you. And now neither the other ones. So there's, there's risk both ways. Yeah. There's the risk of, of opportunity, which is a better fixed cost in the premium form. And then there's risk of, okay, well, if they're raising my rate three to 5%, and that's kind of what everybody's doing every year. Well, then let's market it every three years. Let's plan on marketing every three years. Now, if something happens in the middle, oh, yeah, we'll move you if, it's a, if it goes crazy. But that's where it comes back to if you have an advisor that's looking at it thoroughly from the beginning and has a plan to remarket it every two or three years is what I like, yeah. then, then you've got someone you can trust, right? 
this guy that looked at it every three years for you that didn't even meet with you, like, I don't think that's a good job. I think a good job is let's talk about it at least once a year. And I'll schedule these stewardship meetings with some of my bigger clients and be like, hey, we're great. <laughs> Leave us alone. And I'm like, well, I want to talk about yeah. this. You know, yeah. they're like, no, nah, we're good. Thanks. You're doing a great job. Yeah, That happens too. But um, realistically, in the situation you were in, I think that would have been identified there was a better option for you had there been an annual review even. Yeah. And saying, oh, we've been with the same carrier. You've had no claims in three years. Let's see if we can do something better for you. Yeah. That probably should have been the conversation from the beginning. Okay. That makes that's sense. what we do. That makes sense. So if you were to rate the different kinds of insurance, so you obviously have, you have theft, you know, catastrophic damage, right? Mm -hmm. You can go all the way down to like, I think it's called EDPI insurance, which oh, is EPLI. Like EPLI. Yeah. Practice liability insurance. What are some ones that people might not have coverage that mm -hmm. they should look into? So let's mm -hmm. say you're, you're an you're an employer and you have 50 employees, right? Mm -hmm. And you've been growing really fast. What's something that they might not have had coverage on mm -hmm. that they should look into? Because the, that one yeah. was one it's always good to have because Absolutely. I feel like HR claims, even merited or unmerited, have increased drastically. 100%. And, you know, there's a big shift, I think, around 2012 where it seemed like it used to be, even though we're in an, an employer-directed state in Illinois, is it like an employee-directed state. So if someone has a workers' compensation claim, we can say, hey, you know, we have a facility, um, this occupational accident care facility. Go there. They'll treat you. They'll help you. We'll help you get back to work. In Illinois, it seems like the employees, first thing they do is they run to an attorney yeah. <laughs> and sue the company. But so, uh, you know, to answer your question, yeah, employment practice liability is very important because of the litigious society we're in today with yeah. employees saying they were discriminated one way or the other, and then you have to defend that. And that, that coverage is not there to say, if you did discriminate, that's against the law. The EEOC is going to fine you. Yeah, The coverage doesn't apply then. But if there's a discrepancy, those attorney fees are huge. So that's why that employment practice liability is there to say, we'll – pay for our attorneys to, to defend you in this case yeah. because we feel like you didn't do anything wrong. Cyber insurance, huge yes, situation. You know, cyber is not just, uh, somebody hacked, um, our email. Cyber is everything from paper checks, wrongfully handled checks, yeah. personal information. If you have driver's license, social security numbers, things like that. If you have, you know, I mean, anything that can't be found on the internet easily or Googled like FEIN numbers, things like that. That's all sensitive information. If there's a breach in your, you know, who notifies the property authorities? Who does the forensics behind notifying the people that were affected? Yeah. So cyber to me is probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest, overlooked coverage right now. Yeah. That's critical in small business, especially as you're growing. Yeah. So you can get into the weeds. And I've, I've been fortunate where um, I'm kind of surrounded by people who are pretty or experts kind of in the insurance world, but like there's even coverage called, it's called a reverse social engineering yep. coverage. Mm -hmm. So what that is, is basically someone hacks into your email. They send your customers an invoice that looks like you, and then you pay their bank account. Right. Right. Um, that's happening all the time. Yeah. All the time. Also mailing checks. I um, personally, I had a rent check that I sent out was stolen out of the mail. Yep. And this is actually what made me mad was the bank called um, my uh, the the landlord said hey um, does this person like live here or whatever the name doesn't match or they're like no the bank still let them cash it wow and then I had to go through two weeks with you know Chase Bank and all that yeah. stuff to do that so I would say one hundred percent that's it and 
you know, with all of the spam calls, all of like the emails and stuff. And that's another piece of advice I have good people. Make sure you are using secure, like actual secure emails yes. and suites like Microsoft or G Suite. Right. You know, you might not want to pay that extra 10 bucks a month per person, but you're going to be super Yeah, it's happy. a landmine waiting it to is. happen. And it's a, it's a um, exposure that is more uh, prevalent. It's not if you get hacked, it's when you get hacked. Yep. Number one, you may never have a fire at the building. You may never have a general liability claim, but you're going to have a situation yeah. with identity theft or fraud. It's just a matter of time, personally or business. So, yeah. So from a business owner standpoint, what are some internal practices that a business owner could do in their business that would help lower their liability? Just simple things like, mm-hmm. hey, these practices in HR really help you or these practices in theft would help you. These practices in cyber would help you. I really do think that employment agreement and handbooks can solve so many problems yes. because it gives people an idea of saying, these are the duties, these are these are the uh, potential uh, risks that, we as a business have and you and your position have. Yeah. So really clear expectations about roles and exposures. Yes. And also very deliberate handbooks about here's how we handle things when things happen yep. so that everybody's on the same page. And again, communication solves everything, but you can't be prepared for everything, right? I mean, there's yeah. always something. But I think those two things really um, would set the framework for uh, a business that can grow and be less likely to have nuclear events, if you will. Yeah, and there's handbook templates online. You there know, are. LegalZoom or, or whatever. Um, but now, unless you're going to enforce it, it's it's worse to have a handbook that you're not enforcing than it is to have a handbook that's general. My thinking is when you have a business, you have to look at the inherent risks in your business as it relates to employees. If employees are handling sensitive information. What is that policy? What are we, what yeah. are we, and then, and then it has to be to where it can be policed and there can be ramifications if the proper security and things or processes aren't followed. Um, because, you know, one, one click on an email that's not, that's not legitimate yeah. could, could be catastrophic. Well, I think this is a perfect example. So um, there was a story of this employee who basically had hacked in to somebody's personal information. And um, fortunately, that company had in their handbook that that was against the company policy and is illegal. So instead of the business being liable, that employee was then was then liable. Yeah. So that's what it is. Like, really, right. your it's business contract, is like, who right? is liable for right. this? I think another thing, too, counseling your employees, good and bad, mm-hmm. is so important. Because yeah. then you have just a packet full of documentation because mm-hmm. um, that's how you uphold your handbook. You said it. A handbook is only as good as you uphold it. Right. You know, so number one, having them sign it day one, yep. number two, upholding it. And then number three, it's like, a it, it, it is a boat with holes in it. Trust me, your employees <laughs> are going to find those holes right. and then you add on to it and you yeah. change language. Yeah. I think that's a really good point too. Yeah. So like, what about, I mean, when you're looking at a company what are companies like? What are some things you'll see someone run the way the way they run their company that would be higher risk? I, I think when you see leadership that um, clearly hasn't done a great job of delegating 
certain tasks where they they are the we call the source of all knowledge of the universe, right? Mm-hmm. So you got one person that's doing everything, that's giving away a few tasks, but it's not consistent, right? I think consistency in processes and practices and people owning positions yeah. makes for the kind of company that I like to work with because like give it give it to Deb. She's the best. She handles all this for us. She and she's done yeah. a great job for us. Give it to this person. I you know Knowing that as a leader and as a as a as a business owner, finding those people that uh, that it's in their DNA to do those jobs well, um, is is where I see the kind of people we want to work with. Yeah. Um, I you know I I have seen plenty of companies where you go in there and it's uh, every day something's on fire and and there's just you know we don't learn from our mistakes and they yeah. just keep making the same mistakes and and inevitably those are companies that you know, from a value standpoint are never, um, are, are never a, va- a company that can either be transferred or sold or, um, I guess merged with. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that that's, those are the big things I look at too, is tell me who your team is and what their roles are. That's a great question to ask when we're going to work with somebody, because I'll tell you what everybody in my team does and why they're awesome at the way they do it yeah. and why I could never do their job. Right. So, that's and then you align those people, and then from a personality standpoint, like, what's your personality? And be honest about personalities. Like, yeah. when we work with a new client, I talk about you know Stacy, dog mama five, <laughs> loves email, hates the phone. Like, yeah. you give those traits out, so you're setting these expectations for people that oh, I'll send her an email. She loves that. Comes right back. Kim loves talking on the phone. We'll do this or that or whatever. And, yeah. and so it's like clear communication about what. Um, what people do and how they do it is I think solves a lot of problems too. Yeah. So obviously you've owned your ethos five, your five, five years, years, five yeah. years. Okay. So you're at five years mm-hmm. where you are now. What would you tell yourself starting five years ago that you've learned? That's maybe something you spent way too much time on mm-hmm. or worried about way too much. And then something that you would tell yourself to focus on more. Yeah. I, I think that, at the beginning, um, you know, you you, just, you're, you want to run so fast, right? Yeah. You want to run so fast. I, I think slowing down and just creating a plan a little bit more specific. When you think you've got a plan, stop what you're doing, take a step back, and then go back in and say, how do I go deeper? Yeah. Right? How do I go deeper on if these five people that I would love to make clients of ours, um, if all five of them say no, what's my plan? Well, that can that can kind of paralyze you sometimes, but it can say, "Oh, what mistake am I not going to make here?" Right? Mm-hmm. I think I I made some mistakes for running too fast that I probably could have uh, grown our business faster if I would have been a little bit more deliberate about my plan to get there. But that's any business, right? That's any business that could have said, "I wish I would have known this now uh, than what I know now." Looking, what did we do right? We started the business on. Uh, focusing on being a place when people come to work with us, they are respected and valued specifically for their DNA. Yeah. I'm not changing anybody. I'm not going to change um, the fact that somebody likes to email or somebody likes to talk on the phone. What I can only do is say, okay, what tasks or roles can I give them that align with that? Yeah. And we've done a pretty good job of that. Um, I can't say we haven't made any mistakes. We've made, or sorry, we haven't learned a lot of lessons, I should say. Yeah. Um, but we we definitely um, were able to pivot as a small business. And that's what I'll tell entrepreneurs is the greatest thing about small businesses, if something doesn't work, you can change it quickly. Yep. Large corporations, 
months, years to make any change because there's so many things that have to be referenced and, re- you know, oh, then this affects this person. We got to be careful. No, with small businesses, like tomorrow, if I said I want to go just do uh, circus insurance, I could do it. Yeah. We can do it. We're, we're, we're nimble. We're, you know, we can do whatever. So I think that that's something that um, maybe I, uh, in the past, kind of tied myself to you know, construction, transportation, hospitality only. And it's like, yeah, it's good to be niche focused, but also don't miss opportunities as they're coming by you. Yeah, um, I think you have to be able to adapt too, because yeah. it's going to change. I mean, I mean, I think with the introduction of like the AI stuff, oh, people haven't even talked about like, <laughs> yeah, we, we'll we'll have more. I'm sure it'll be a, a a topic we talk about like every episode. Is the world is going to start changing maybe even faster than it has in the past now, um, as just technology gets better and better. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, I wanted to say a saying, and I think you kind of touched on it a little bit. And I want you to say if you think it's right or wrong, because I think there's a lot of business sayings out there that I think are complete bull crap. Um, and there's some are right. So this is one, um, better customers, not more customers. Absolutely. Yes. I like that one. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, pre-qualify more than you ever think you need to get down to how is this a five-year relationship, not a one transaction deal. And that is where you grow something that has teeth because what's going to happen is when you connect on that level and truly set out to, uh, you're both trying to achieve the same thing with that relationship, they're going to tell your friend who's similar to them that they need to work with you because we got this kind of figured out now, right? Yeah. And so what I found is with the connecting of common, you know, some common, or I should say like um, of the same idea, the same kind of entrepreneurs, those people are sending us the people because they know it works with us. They, they are, they think the way we think, they think fast, they think yeah. we don't know it all, but we're sure in the process of learning all the time. And, and uh, yeah, absolutely. I want, I want quality over quantity any day of the week because that's sustainable. Business is not a sprint. It is a marathon. It is. And, yeah. and uh, ultimately, we get in this as entrepreneurs to say, what value did we, did we build? Yep. What did we build from a value? What, what can happen if I'm not here? Yeah, and I think that's hard. When you start a business, you do just kind of have to take anything and everything that comes your sure. way because you have to survive. But I think that is, that is the thing I've actually really enjoyed is that if I am selling value, not price. Right. So if you don't understand the value, you talked about like your wife with the yeah. HR stuff, right? That yeah. is the glue. Right. Of what you do. 100%. You don't get that at Progressive. You don't get that at State Farm. Correct. You don't get that anywhere else, right? That's the glue. So when they look at going somewhere else, they're like, well, I might have to like pay a part-time or outsource this amount of work I'm getting for free anyway. And that's what I'm talking about, better customer. A better customer under, understands the value that you're giving, right. not just your price. Well, and it's beyond insurance. It's... If someone's a construction person, like, how do I, because I want, I, I sought them out and wanted to work with them because I saw them as a good business owner. Now, how do I give Scott Marvel an opportunity? Yeah. How do I refer someone and say, hey, listen, yeah. this is, this is what we have the ability to do is to say, you know, I, I, I don't care who it is. If, if I see someone needs something and I have a client that's going to, that's my job. It's to bring those people together. Yeah, I built uh, someone. I won't say who it is. I built someone a makeshift like CRM um, kind of uh, form, and I was talking with them about like, hey, like, what do you like? What are the customers you want? What are the customers you don't want? And what what could you? Ha- what's a question you could have out there that would tell you 
that these are those customers you don't want. And I literally put in what phase are you at? And it's like, um, need done right away, Mm -hmm. um, quality work, um, just price shopping, getting bids or whatever. And I literally had it like where if they select one, he like, he just, it sends an email that says, Oh, thank you for reaching out. We're too busy. Right. Or something, or, or this is Absolutely. not what you're interested Cause if someone just says, Oh, I'm just, I'm just looking for the best price. I'm like, well, you don't want value. Right. And I'm not going to waste your time. Absolutely. And I just, I, I love that distinction of better customers, not more customers. Because also I one time had a customer that was maybe, maybe a 10th of my biggest customer I had. And they took up, half of our time right every little thing was an issue right. every little thing and a lot of it was just work that they weren't doing like stuff that they weren't doing on their own right and it got to the point where when it came up we had to raise their price so much because of how many resources they were taking they're like well you guys are too expensive i'm like yeah yeah like, go somewhere else and what's funny is i ran in to i believe the company that worked with them now and they said the exact same thing yeah they're like yeah we have this customer that's small and like they're so hard to work with. Yeah. Nothing against them. It's just, you know. Well, it's it's that statement I say, we are so fortunate at this time that we can't give you the value you deserve or the service you yeah. deserve. That is exactly what it is. I want to, hey, can you get me a, a proposal in two hours? And I say, you know what? We are so fortunate that I made commitments to other people that I have to fulfill and I can't give you the service you deserve right now. So you know what happens? They call you next year and the next year and the next year. Yeah. Inevitably, because there's somebody else's pain and that, you know. Um, but number one is we have the no a-hole rule. No a-hole clients, no a-hole um, um, staff members. And the moment we start, we see that, we identify it, it's like, okay, they're not a great fit for us, and that's okay. Yeah, maybe, Amy, you should make that be, like, the topic, like, no a-holes. Okay. Yeah. Um, that, that can be the title for this video. No, A-holes. <laughs> perfect. Ben, thank you so much for being on the first episode. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see where you go over the next couple of years. Dude, I am so proud, uh, of you. I'm proud to know you, the, how far you've come. Uh, it's just amazing, um, to see y- your perspective. Uh, I'm just proud of you, man. I'm, I'm really am. And I'm, thank you for having me. This is awesome. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. You're a great person. All right. So. Cheers, brother. Thank you.